Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Rock and Roll Time Machine. Oh yeah. Here on the show, our aim is simple. Good music and history blended together with a touch of razzle-dazzle. So I guess I have one question for you. Are you ready to engage the imagination and dance around your office with an air guitar? Good. Welcome back, listener. I have a special show for you on today's history roster. He is Spartacus. But who was the real man behind the star's soft porn production? And he'll rob you of your heart with his rebel story. It's Billy the Kid. But we don't stop there. No, we don't. Move over, Beyonce. It's the OG queen, Cleopatra. What's her story? Stay tuned to find out all this stuff, but for now, let us rock. I don't know what happened, but I hope you'll be back when all the stars come out in the sky tonight. Cause I was feeling lonely And I was thinking you could show me How we could make the summer last a while I thought it would last forever But things never happen the way you imagine I can't keep living life like it's a dream Losing in this still world, time in the real world Caught up in the summer fantasy And even though one day Whatever we would do, I do not care Cause we can still look back and remember what happened in the summer As the days passed by, we went through all the motions Forgetting all the details for when my future self will wonder How it all worked so perfectly Every night I was lost inside my dreams we thought it'd last forever But things never happen the way you imagine I can't keep living life like it's a dream Losing in this still world, time in the real world Caught up in the summer fantasy And even though one day we might not care Whatever we would do, I do not care Cause we can still look back Summertime 
imagine I can't keep living life like it's a dream Losing in this still world, time in the real world Caught up in this summer fantasy Don't know what I expected, should've been more reckless I know that's an impossible ideal We were such a classic, stuck in the past You know every night I wish it all was real I keep on hoping that I'll see you there Make up for all the times we never shared
get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. Get around. 
on a warm summer's evening on a train bound for nowhere I met up with a gambler we were both too tired to sleep so we took turns staring out the window at the darkness the boredom overtook us and he began to speak he said son I made my life Reading people's faces And knowing what the cards were By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind me saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bummed a cigarette And asked me for a light the night got deathly quiet His face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold up Know when to fold up Know when to walk away Know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for count. When the deal is done Now every gambler knows The secret to surviving Is knowing what to throw away Knowing what to keep Cause every hand's a winner And every hand's a loser And the best you can hope for Is to die in your sleep So when he'd finished speaking he turned back toward the window, crushed out his cigarette, and faded off to sleep. Then somewhere in the darkness, the gambler, he broke even. But in his final words, I found an ace that I could keep. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away Know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done, you got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for count when the deal's done.
Spartacus was born in Thrace, an area where the modern-day Balkans states, including Turkey, Bulgaria, and Greece, are located. Though little is known about Spartacus's early life, historians believe he served in a Roman auxiliary unit for some time. He then deserted and became either a bandit or insurgent against the Romans. Spartacus was caught and sold as a slave to a man known as Vatia, who owned a gladiatorial training school in Capua. However, he escaped with about 70 other gladiators, including his wife, a Thracian woman, whose name is lost to history. The writer Plutarch, who lived in the 2nd century AD, wrote that she was a prophetess who was possessed by ecstatic frenzies 
that were part of the worship of the god Dionysus. After Spartacus woke up with a snake coiled around his head, she declared that this was the sign of a tremendous and fearsome power that would bring him to an unfortunate end. Spartacus gathered his followers on a nearby mountain called Vesuvius. This was more than a century before it had erupted. In Spartacus's time, the mountain was actually covered with vines and had fertile farmland nearby. More escaped slaves joined their ranks and it is estimated that there were 90,000 to 100,000 men in all. Together, they used guerrilla tactics to fight off Roman attacks. Rome did not respond to Spartacus's growing force seriously. A group of escaped slaves were not seen as posing a serious challenge to Roman soldiers. At the time of his breakout, the Republic's military was fighting in Spain, Southeast Europe, and Crete. The Romans dispatched a praetor named Gaius Claudius Glaber to form an army to crush the slaves. Glaber's ad hoc army didn't even try to attack Spartacus. Instead, they blocked off the main route up Vesuvius, pitched camp, and tried to starve him out. Spartacus took the initiative, having his newly liberated slaves build rope out of wild vines so they could move down the mountainside to a spot the Romans had neglected to defend. The Romans, still in camp, never saw them coming. The growth of Spartacus's forces was aided by other factors. Throughout his rebellion, his army spent much of its time in rural areas and small towns, places that were poorly defended and had an abundance of slaves. Additionally, according to ancient sources, Spartacus insisted on equally dividing the spoils, something that made recruitment all the more easier. After defeating another Roman force, this one led by a Roman governor named Gaius Cassius Longinus, Spartacus's force was now free to climb the Alps and go to Gaul, Thrace, or other areas not controlled by Rome. However, for reasons lost to history, Spartacus chose not to do this. Instead, his force turned around, heading back to Italy. Why he did this is a mystery. In the spring of 71 BC, things fell apart for Spartacus. Castus and Gannicus were defeated by Crassus, likely sometime before April. At the Battle of Cantena, there were varying accounts about Spartacus's death, but they all end with him being surrounded and killed. With his death, his army fell apart, and Crassus and the other Roman forces hunted down the remaining rebels. The body of Spartacus was apparently never identified. <laughs>
Now let's get your Spartacus facts. Fact number one. In 73 BC, Spartacus and 70 or so other slaves armed themselves with stolen kitchen utensils and other improvised weapons. This small force fought their way out of a gladiatorial school, seizing proper weapons and armor on the way. Fact number two, Spartacus's army, forced back by Crassus's forces, ended up in the coastal city across the Strait of Messina from Sicily. A bargain was apparently struck with Sicilian pirates who were supposed to ferry the slave army to safety, but as one might expect from pirates, they did not honor their deal. Number three, 
Spartacus fought without chest or foot protection. He wore only a bronze helmet and arm and leg guards. Spartacus quotes, quote number one, when a free man dies, he loses the pleasure of life. A slave loses his pain. Death is the only freedom a slave knows. That's why he's not afraid of it. That's why we'll win. Quote number two. And maybe there's no peace in this world for us or for anyone else. I don't know. But I do know that as long as we live, we must remain true to ourselves. Number three. Whatever happens, it happens because we chose for it. We decided our fates. There's something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Getting so much resistance from behind Time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going Yeah.
Hola, listener, and welcome to the Wild West, where law and order depend on how fast you draw your fire and how good you are at hitting your target. These are troubling times, but it would be here where Will and Bonnie would become Billy the Kid. So who was Billy the Kid? William Henry Bonney, a.k.a. Billy the Kid, was born on November 23, 1859, most likely in New York City. His mother is believed to be called Catherine, and his father perhaps Patrick. We can then trace Billy to Indiana in the late 1860s and Wichita, Kansas in 1870. His father died around the end of the Civil War, and at about the same time, Billy's mother contracted tuberculosis and was told to move to a drier climate. On March 1, 1873, she married a man named William Antrim, who moved the family to Silver City, New Mexico. His stepfather worked as a bartender and a carpenter and largely ignored his wife and stepsons. Faced with a penniless husband, his mother took in boarders in order to provide for her sons. Despite the better climate, Billy's mother continued to worsen and on September 16, 1874, she died of tuberculosis. After her death, Billy and his younger brother, Joseph, were placed in separate foster homes. At the age of 14, the smooth-cheeked, blue-eyed Billy was forced to find work in a hotel, washing dishes and waiting tables at a restaurant, where he was reported to be very friendly. Despite the owner of the hotel and his school teacher providing a good report of Billy on September 23, 1875, he was arrested for hiding a bundle of stolen clothes for a man playing a prank on a Chinese laundryman. Two days after Billy was thrown in jail, the scrawny teen escaped by climbing up the jailhouse chimney. From that point onward, Billy would be a fugitive. After some issues in southeastern Arizona, Billy next turned up in the house of High School Jones in Pescos Valley, New Mexico. Miss Jones nursed the young man who was near death back to health. The Jones family developed a strong attachment to Billy and gave him one of their horses. Now an outlaw and unable to find honest work, the kid met up with another bandit named Jesse Evans, who was the leader of a gang of rustlers called The Boys. With nowhere else to go, Billy joined the gang. He later became embroiled in the infamous Lincoln County War, in which his newest friend and employer, John Tunstall, was killed. Billy the Kid was deeply affected by the murder and swore to have his revenge, which he did by gunning down the deputy who killed his friend, as well as another deputy and the county sheriff. Billy was now a wanted man. On December 15, 1880, Governor Wallace put out a $500 reward on Billy's head, and his old friend, Pat Garrett, 
began a relentless pursuit of the outlaw. Garrett set up many traps and ambushes, but was unsuccessful. Soon the determined Garrett's posse tracked the outlaws down and surrounded their hideout. Inside of the house where Billy, Charlie Bowdray, Dave Rodabow, Tim Pickett, and Billy Wilson were. When Bowdray passed before an open window, he was shot in the chest. The siege continued until the next day when Rodabow finally waved a white flag and the bandits surrendered. Billy the Kid and his gang of rustlers were captured on December 23, 1880. Billy was first taken to a jail in Las Vegas, New Mexico, then to Santa Fe, and eventually to Masilla. Here he was tried within one day and found guilty of the murder of Sheriff William Brady. Somehow Billy escaped jail, but for the last time. When Pat Garrett was questioning Billy's friend, Peter Maxwell, on July 14, 1881, in Maxwell's darkened bedroom in Old Fort Sumner, Billy unexpectedly entered the room. The kid didn't recognize Garrett in the poor lighting conditions and was shot in the heart by his former friend at the age of just 21. The infamous Billy the Kid was buried in a plot between his dead friends Tom O'Fallard and Charlie Bowdre the next day at Fort Sumner's cemetery. <laughs> Go! 
your head You tell me it's the institution Well, you know You better free your mind instead But if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao You ain't gonna make it with anyone anyhow Now it's time for your Billy the Kid facts. Fact number one. In his short life, Billy the Kid was reputed to have killed 21 men, one for each year of his life. Over 100 years later, in 2010, New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson considered honoring the 1879 promise of pardoning the kid made by then-Governor Lou Wallace. However, Richardson backed off the idea, citing historical ambiguity surrounding Wallace's pardon. Number two, unlike other Old West outlaws, such as Jesse James, Cole Younger, or Butch Cassidy, Billy the Kid didn't make his living as a bandit. The young gunslinger stole the occasional horse, but he never once held up a bank, train, or even a stagecoach. Outside of his gunfighting days with the regulators, his main criminal enterprise was rustling cattle on the New Mexico plains. Number three, Pat Garrett became an Old West legend for killing Billy the Kid. Yet, as the years passed, rumors circulated that the sheriff had either shot the wrong man or helped the outlaw fake his death. In the late 1940s, an elderly Texas man known as Brushy Bill Roberts even claimed to be Billy the Kid in the flesh, but his story was largely discredited after family records revealed his birth date to be 1879. Other investigators have since theorized that the kid lived to be an old man under the alias John Miller. Miller's alleged remains were exhumed in 2005, but a plan to compare his DNA to the kid's never materialized. Despite the controversy, historical records show that the kid's body was positively identified by several different people the day after his shooting, leading most historians to conclude that Sheriff Garrett got the right man. Now for your Billy the Kid quotes. Quote number one. People thought me mad before, but if I ever should go free, I'll let them know what bad means. Billy the Kid to a reporter at the Daily New Mexican after his capture at Stinking Springs. Number two. Of course you know, George, I never meant those birds to reach Lincoln alive. That was Billy the Kid to George Coe 
in regards to the deaths of Frank Baker and Billy Morton. Quien es? Quien es? Were Billy the Kid's last words, allegedly given July 14, 1881.
Beyonce. Before the Kardashians. Before crap entertainment. There was ancient Egypt. Come meet the original queen who had it all. Christed for love. Watch out down the So who was Cleopatra? Well, the king of Egypt, Ptolemy, he died in 51 BC. Well, he leaves the kingdom that he has to his son, you guessed it, Ptolemy. But he decrees that the boy shall rule jointly with his older sister, Cleopatra. He must also marry her in the tradition of royal incest, which has become a feature of the Ptolemaic dynasty. The arrival in Alexandria of Julius Caesar gives Cleopatra her first chance of a wider role in the world. She seizes it, becoming the mistress of the man who is now the most powerful Roman. Caesar spends the winter of 48 to 57 BC in Egypt, helping the young queen suppress the forces of her even younger brother, who fails to survive these events. Soon after Caesar's departure from Alexandria, Cleopatra gives birth to a son in the summer of 47, whom she claims almost certainly correctly to be Caesar's. In 46, Caesar invites Cleopatra to Rome with her son, subsequently known by the nickname Caesarian or little Caesar, and provides them with a villa. After Caesar's assassination in 44, she returns to Egypt with the child. But Cleopatra didn't need all that much help with running her kingdom. She was a great politician who brought peace and prosperity to Egypt by striking trade deals with other Arab nations to bolster Egypt as a world power. It was the last country to fall to the power of Rome. But every region of the Mediterranean is by now involved in Roman politics. And there is a rumor in Rome that Cleopatra has given help to Cassius, one of the assassins of Caesar. In spring of 41, Mark Antony, commanding the Roman army in the east, summons Cleopatra to explain herself at his headquarters in Anatolia. She crosses the Mediterranean to see him, but not in any mood of apology. Cleopatra's intention is to woo Anthony, which she is successful in doing, later giving birth to his children. They were married in Syria in 37 BC and as a wedding gift, Cleopatra is given most of the Middle East to rule. In the tradition of many Eastern monarchies, Cleopatra and Antony now begin presenting themselves as divine. To Greeks, they appear as 
Dionysus and Aphrodite, to Egyptians as Osiris and Isis. The battle between the forces of Octavian and of Antony and Cleopatra takes place at Actium in Greece on the 2nd of September 31. Both sides have large numbers of infantry and cavalry, but the decisive engagement is between their fleets of Roman warships. Antony draws his ships up the line with Cleopatra and her squadron in the rear. Much of the treasure of Egypt, essentially to pay for fleet and army, is on board with her. The exact course of the battle is not known, but it goes against the eastern couple. At a certain point, Antony signals to Cleopatra on her own ship to break away and escape with him. They succeed in getting back to Alexandria on Cleopatra's flagship, but both commit suicide in the following year when Octavian arrives in Egypt with his army.
let's get to your Cleopatra facts. Fact number one, Roman propaganda painted Cleopatra as a debauched temptress who used her sex appeal as a political weapon, but she may have been more renowned for her intellect than her appearance. She spoke as many as 12 languages and was educated in mathematics, philosophy, oration, and astronomy. Fact number two, according to ancient sources, they spent the winter of 41 to 40 BC living a life of leisure and excess in Egypt and even formed their own drinking society. The group engaged in nightly feasts and wine bidges, and its members occasionally took part in elaborate games and contests. One of Antony's and Cleopatra's favorite activities supposedly involved wandering the streets of Alexandria in disguise and playing pranks on its residents. Number three. Elizabeth Taylor played Cleopatra in the 1963 sword and sandal epic Cleopatra. The film was plagued by production problems and script issues, and its budget eventually soared from $2 million to $44 million. It was the most expensive movie ever made at the time of its release, and nearly bankrupted its studio despite raking in a fortune at the box office. If inflation is taken into account, Cleopatra remains one of the priciest movies in history, even today. Quote number one, is he a good man? Define good. Number two, fool, don't you see that I could have poisoned you a hundred times had I been able to live without you? Number three, I will not be triumphed over. And there you have it. Those are your historical guests for this episode of Rock and Roll Time Machine. Thank you for joining me, and we'll catch you next time. You get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park, but meantime, Sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything A band is blowing Dixie, double fall time You feel alright when you hear the music ring Well now you step inside, but you don't see too many In other places oh, But the horns They blow in that sound Way on down south Strictly rhythm, he doesn't want to make it cry or sing If standing on guitar is all he can afford 
gets up under the lights to play his thing. And Harry doesn't mind if he doesn't make the scene. He's got a daytime job. He's doing all right. He can play the honky-tonk like anything. Saving it up Friday night With the Sultans With the Sultans of Swing
raise your kids In fact, it's cold as hell And there's no one there to raise them If you did My job five days a week A rocket man A rocket man And I think it's gonna be a long, long time To talk to down brings me round again I think it's gonna be 